Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn and how we teach and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 109, How to Prep for Final Exams. Finals are coming and I'm not ready. How do I set myself up to do well on them? Many students panic over finals and it's not surprising. Finals can make or break your class grade in many classes and some students get themselves into a total panic about them. But it's important to know that you can handle finals. They're another test, and yeah, they're a big test, but they're still just a test. If you use the strategies we're listing here to prepare for your finals, you'll probably do reasonably well. Now, we talked with Gretchen Wagner about her study cycle approach, and you can definitely listen to that interview in episode 20. And the basic idea is study what you need to learn, then quiz yourself to see if you know it. And if you don't know it, then study it in a different way and keep doing this cycle of study, quiz, study, quiz till you get to the point where you're comfortable with how much you know. Also, since you should already know a lot of information if your final is cumulative, start this cycle by quizzing yourself so you can see what do I still need to study. Here are five solid strategies to use as finals approach. The first one, study in short blocks of time. Your brain cannot learn by cramming. Set aside two to three hours per day to study for finals, but never spend more than 45 minutes on any one class. Study in blocks of time like this. Study for 30 to 45 minutes, then take a 15 minute break, then switch to a different class for the next 45 minute block. The second thing is find two different ways to quiz yourself. Don't go into an exam without first making sure that you know what you studied. Just because it's familiar does not mean you know it. So here's some ways to make sure you know the information. Create a quiz for yourself during a study session and then take it the next day without using your notes and see how you do. Use flashcards to quiz yourself or have someone else quiz you using your flashcards. Get together with friends and bring quizzes you wrote, then exchange them, take them, and discuss them. And if we're talking about in Zoom, set them up on a Google Doc and say, okay, here's my quiz, and send it to everybody in the Zoom chat. Play games with your flashcards. In our episode 25, we talk about different games you can play with flashcards in a study group. The third way is find three different ways to study. If you don't remember something after reading about it, you need to find a different way to learn about it. Try making flashcards, making self-quizzes, rewriting your notes, studying with other students, or teaching someone else about the material. All of these ways work. The fourth way is find four different places to study. Your brain learns by association, so it thinks it only needs information where it actually encounters it. We've all had that situation where we studied history every day at our nice, quiet student desk in the corner of our room, and then we go to history class and the teacher calls on us and we're like, ah, because your brain only saw that information at your study desk. It only saw it in that quiet corner of your room, so it thinks that's the only place it needs it. Make sure your brain sees the information you need to remember in lots of different places. The more you see it in different places, the more your brain will realize, oh, we need this information no matter where we are. Number five, identify what you'll be tested on. 
some things to check for, syllabus topics, book chapter topics, reading handouts. Also keywords, concepts, and terms. These could be from the book or from lectures. Connections between ideas and dates, people, and places, especially for history. If you're in STEM classes, equations and formulas. In a lot of other classes, theories and skills. And finally, make a study plan for your final exams. For each class you have, answer these questions. Which class is this exam in? What's the format of the test? Is it multiple choice, essay, fill-in, short answer? Are there calculations you have to know? Different formats require different kinds of studying. If you study in a format close to the format of the test, you'll do better on the test. So if you're doing a fill-in-the-blank final, make your flashcards and self-quizzes fill-in-the-blank style. If it's an essay exam, note the main points you need to make on a flashcard for each essay question you come up with. And go check out our testing series, episodes 38 through 44, for how to write test questions and how to take tests. It'll help you create your self-quizzes and flashcards and give you some strategies for when you're facing the actual exam. The third thing in your study plan should be what will you be tested on? So for this, you might want to make a list of terms and concepts or a list of equations or list the chapters in the book you'll have to know or the lectures you'll have to be familiar with and make sure this is a comprehensive list that it covers everything you need to know so that you'll know what you have to study. It's hard to study if you don't know what you need to study. Do you get a study guide? In college, you usually don't get a study guide, but if you do, it's worth noting and it's worth using that study guide. Otherwise, create your own. In the show notes, we're linking a guide to creating your own study guide. The next question on the study plan is, what resources do you need to gather to help you study? So resources are things like the book, the lecture recordings, worksheets, homework you've already done. Basically, resources are things that you're given or pointed out by your professor or that you can find online. For example, calculus worksheets or a list of statistics questions to practice. They also include your own notes on readings, lectures, and other resources. What study tools will you create? Study tools are things you create on your own, like flashcards, flipbooks, or self-quizzes. All those flashcards you made for previous tests, gather them up if you're facing a cumulative final. Then you need to say how you will use and review your study tools. So here, you want to talk about how you're going to use these tools. Will it be go through my flashcards and set aside any I don't know and then make a self-quiz from those cards and take it in my next study session? Will it be rewrite my notes about the items I didn't really remember when I quizzed myself? Make a list of steps you'll take with your study tools and then schedule them by writing them down in your planner. How will you know that you know it? That is, how will you know when you can stop studying? At some point, you'll need to know when you can stop, right? What's going to make you feel like you're going to do well enough on the exam? What score do you need? Figure out how much you need to know to get a 70, 80, or 90 on the final, and keep practicing with study tools and self-quizzes until you hit that mark. Then you know you're ready to go when that final rolls around. Now. I had a client once who had a cumulative history final in spring and it covered everything from the previous fall as well as that spring. It was a high school student. He had about 470 flashcards and his answer to that final question was, I'll know it when I can get through 460 cards without a mistake. He aced his final exam. 
as a teacher, to the extent that I'm able to, I like to get my students study guides one to two weeks before all of their exam, including their finals. But I admittedly phrase my study guides very differently from the way I'll phrase their finals, and I do that on purpose. I phrase my study guides as a lot of open-ended questions designed to get my students to dig through their notes and through the readings to really think about it. But their tests and quizzes are always multiple choice and true-false. My thinking is if my students are able to talk through material, then it's going to be a little easier figuring out what the right answer is when they're staring at the right answer choice. I also encourage them to review and study together in small groups, both when we were meeting face-to-face -face and now that everything is online. I encourage them to get into Zoom meetings and to go through flashcards together. In my own experience as a student, as an undergrad, I remember going to places like small restaurants, fast food places with friends from class, and we would talk through material. We would quiz each other before finals. And as a graduate student, when I was taking the qualifying exams, I never felt like I knew everything. But after a while, after studying a lot for about six to eight months for each test, pouring over articles and books, at some point, I felt like I wasn't going to know substantially more going into that test, and I had to be okay with whatever I did know. I hit a tipping point, and whatever I couldn't figure out, I knew I could find resources for. I knew how to find articles and books. And when you study for your own finals, you might not need to know everything 100% cold and you might not know everything 100% perfect and that's okay. It's why we say to set the goal scores for yourself, figure out what you need to get for that 90% because 90 doesn't mean you know everything. It means you know almost everything, 80, 70, whatever you need to do, get yourself ready. And also 90 may not mean you know everything, but it means you know enough for most finals. Unless your needed score on the final is 99%, which is very, very rare. Hitting 90 means you passed the final, and it means you passed it with a decent score, a really good score. And there are some students who just, I need 73% on the final, so I'm going to aim for 80. Oh, and if I hit 73, that's good enough. And if I hit 80, hey, that's, you know, that's some gravy. For me, when I was an undergrad, my main way of practicing, I thought of it as practicing for the final, was I would get all my class notes and the book. And I would sit my partner down and say, I'm going to teach you everything I know about this topic. And then I would just start going through my notes and teaching. And that helped so much because then I would suddenly run across something that, despite what we have both advised you not to do, I used to do this, which is why we advise you not to do it. I had written down something in my notes with no definition and no explanation. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So then I go to the book and try to find that. It made it clear to me what I knew and what I still needed to learn when I couldn't teach it to someone else. So for me, that was my big process as an undergrad was I always sat down with my partner and said, you're going to listen to me for the next 35 minutes while I go over every single thing I've ever learned about this class. And those of you who don't have a partner, you have a best friend, or you have a parent, or you have a roommate. Tell them this is just part of living with you. They have to let you practice on them, okay? You want to put that time in, because I know that for the quals, it wasn't a week of studying. It wasn't even a month of studying. It was consistent practice for months and months and months. And one of our big tips for students is prepare. Put that time, put that energy, put that effort in, because the better your effort to prepare, the less stress you'll feel when the time comes around to show off what you've learned. 
And that's all a final is, whether it's a test, a paper or a project, it's a chance for you to get to show off what you know, what you've learned, how you've grown through the class. I remember reading a book back in, now that I think about it, in grade school, and it was called The Stolen Key. And at the time, I was really into like fantasy stories, so I thought it was about key to some great treasure. No, it was the key to a test. And it was about a guy who was, unfortunately, one of those kids who was always suspected of cheating. And the key to the test disappeared. But he had decided he was going to study. So he passes the test and then he gets in trouble because he passed the test because they believe that he stole the key. And then the principal notices something and says, wait a minute. You have this other test where this kid passed. And she says, yes, but he's a good student. And he said, right. But are those in his own words? Because this other kid that you're saying stole the key, his answers are all in his own words. And the teacher said, oh, and then she looked at her star student and said, of course, it was the star student who had stolen the key. But the thing is, one of the things that I thought was interesting in that story was that the kid who did not steal the key but was accused of it, he had actually decided he was going to do something different. He was a, a basketball player, and he decided to approach studying the way he approached basketball, that he was going to practice every day. And when he took the test, he's, he was thinking, why is this so easy? Tests are never easy. Well, the thing is, if you study, if you practice for the test, it becomes easy. It's amazing. So teachers, the way that you can use this information is teach your students about the study cycle, have them go listen to episode 20, and teach them the plan for their final exams. Teach them those questions that they need to answer. You could even create a Google form with the questions that we gave you for how to create a study plan and have students complete that plan two or three weeks before the final. And that way they have a study plan they could follow. You could even give them some course credit for completing the plan. You know, do you have a study plan for finals? Great, you get five points. So that's what we have for you in episode 109. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. Also, we would really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to join us next week for episode 110, when we'll talk about how to maintain connection with your peers that you met through school. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier. We look forward to seeing you next week.